so we have a project. We have a project, we call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Marseille View where today we're going to debrief yet another victory for Marseille. You know what, I might start getting used to victories, the third one in a row already. Um, two tough games and we've won them. This game's may have looked easy on paper, but if you watch the game by no stretch of the imagination, this was an easy win to pull out of the bag. But we managed to win it against Toulouse away. I mean, away is a big word. But essentially, if, if you guys watched the game, when, when Marseille scored, the whole stadium got up on their feet and cheered. So we can basically call it a home game. And that sees Marseille in a second place, strengthening in a second place. And even though the table is quite tight, as we all know, Marseille now has one point ahead of Angers, the third place. And they've actually got three points um, in front of the, the, the fourth place, which would see us out of the podium and out of Champions League. So things are looking up. Um, Marseille is doing fairly good in terms of in terms of um, the, the points that they're taking out um, of the games, but there's probably going to be a lot, a lot to talk about uh, in terms of uh, tactics, in terms of technical ability, in terms of um, who actually stayed awake during the game. Um, I know that was a struggle for me. But without further ado, before we get into this game, I'm just going to introduce uh, the speakers for today. We've got the usual lineup. Um, to, uh, to, to see us through today. Um, so, the first speaker today with me is Ben. How are you doing, Ben? You could call me Mr. Rodonich, but okay, that's fine. Um, very well, mate. How are you? Mr. Rodonich, what? Because, because <laughs> I mean, even, even clocks are right, even broken clocks are right two times a day, you know? <laughs> if, if you're going to predict a, a Rodonich goal, if you've predicted it every game for the last two years, I mean, yeah, brilliant. You've been, you've been, no, you've been no, right no, one. no, 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 no. That's, that's not what happened. I mean, look, look, I, I predicted it. I called it in the bar. You all fucking laughed at me. When it happened, you came, I was in the smoking area watching it through the glass. You actually came running to me, jumping, Nibania, Nibania. Like, like it was Christmas morning, mate. I mean, so, it, it was like Jesus being reborn, you know? <laughs> but hey, look, it, we won. We won. Well, let's take it. Yeah, yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about it. I mean, I mean, we were together to watch the game at the bar. But, I mean, come on, I, I was, I was literally like, I was laughing towards the seventieth minute because I was just like literally just floored by how shit we were. Like even Toulouse were, and like that that goal was just like basically the cherry on top of the most ridiculous game of the season. You know, like <laughs> if we won a game, that game it would be because of Radovich. But anyway. So we'll talk about that a bit. Um, but the second speaker is Stefan. Uh, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah. Where did, where did you watch the game? Uh, just at home. Yeah, just at watched home. it at home. 
Yeah, what, what did you do? Did you like throw the baby um, out the window? We don't have the luxury of uh, a, a meetup group in Leeds, you know, there's quite struggling a bit to find other Marseille fans around here, so yeah, <laughs> it's alright for some. Oh yeah, well, I, I guess we've got we've got a few friends from Celtic Glasgow. You could always you could always like invite them in for, you know, a well, classic League of Talent game. You know, to showcase how good our league is. You you've got a few friends who support Celtic that support Marseille. No, no, no. no. I, I mean, I remember we, no, got, we no. got the speakers from Ninety Cynic. Ah, uh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really that bothered about Scottish football much, but but yeah. Well, it's the way it is, isn't it? But yeah, well, right. you just get dealt with the card. You get deal with the cards. You get handy, doesn't it? So yeah, you're you're quite far away from home. I mean, Marseille's got a fan, loads of fans worldwide, but you might be pushing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So anyway, so uh, today um, there's a fair amount, fair amount of uh, stuff to speak about. Mainly will be about the Toulouse game. There was not much kind of surrounding news around the week, and we also have covered um, a lot of like out of off the field drama that happened uh, in the last two weeks. So if you guys are interested in like like off the field drama and discussions, ones we did like um, give you a podcast uh, last Monday. Um, basically during international break so it gave a bit more time to, to not focus too much on, on football and talk a little bit about the youth centre, the transfer window that's coming up and also the uh, the Lyon game that happened two weeks ago and the drama around it. But today we're going to focus on a Toulouse game. Uh, Marseille won 2-0, a very hard-fought victory, a very sloppy. Um, I'm going to ask you guys how, how you what, what you guys were expecting out of the game um, but before before that, I'll just like quickly just give you my impressions. Is I mean, you, when you when you looked at the squad, there was nine youth products, and when you looked at the bench, you just knew like if Marseille were about to struggle, this was going to be a very very difficult game because we we had ba- essentially no like quality strikers or quality midfielders that could like you know like bring us to the promised land off the bench. It was basically going to be like Payet and Co or bust. Um, how did how did you? Th- how did you think the game was going to go and how did it pan out for you, Steph? Um, I didn't have a, a great deal of expectations going into it. I thought, I hadn't really given it a lot of thought, but I think, I, th- I mean, I assumed that we would probably win the game. Um, I didn't expect Toulouse to be, you know, much of a, a force, really. Um, they're, you know, a pretty average team and they're usually always sort of floating around just above the relegation zone, so I wasn't expecting a massive amount from them. But I think... Um, for us, I feel like we started off really well in the first 10-15 minutes. We looked really bright, um, looked a good, you know, a good deal of energy there. Looked like we were keen on trying to get an early goal, um, applying pressure and stuff. But that just seemed to kind of dissipate quite quickly, and then it was pretty it's always cool the game. 10 minutes. It's always the first 10 minutes, and then it just dies. Yeah, I mean, I was quite pleased at the start. I was like, all oh, right, good. I think we're gonna, you know, we're gonna play well tonight. And um, yeah, it became quite apparent throughout the game that we were really fucking average, you know, and we were really struggling. Even at times against ten men, we weren't playing that well. Um, and to be honest, I just felt like at the end, you know, Toulouse kind of just petered themselves out, and we were able to capitalise on that. I actually think that the score and the goals at the end and the chances that occurred really disguise the fact that we were really poor yeah but like you're uh, i wouldn't think about that but you're perfectly right like i think there's literally no point even looking at the stats because 
because in the last 20 minutes after we scored the goal basically like Toulouse just with 10 men just, just completely stopped believing and they just yeah. let us do anything we could have scored like three or four easily um and obviously then yeah, and we like stab at it essentially didn't we yeah and even after the guy got sent off i think that's when they had after that's when they had their best chance wasn't it through sangari yeah, um, yeah. I think you you know they still looked like initially they looked more likely to score you know and I was thinking oh god like is the, are we seriously going to lose to ten men um and because we you know it's not impossible we beat Leon didn't we um against ten sorry and when we had ten men although we were able to, we were defending a, a lead so it's slightly different but I don't know it just it it looked quite worrying it looked like we lacked creativity. Um, we look quite dependent on Payet to, you know, to make chances and, you know, for and maybe I, I mean I realise Rangier is there as well, but it just it just felt like we were very flat and I did feel like we don't have um, much options down the wings in that game, um, like to create chances and I think maybe that's been noticeable throughout the season actually, but it looks like if we've got guys that can pass the ball and create things through the middle, but we lack a bit of pace and width. At times, especially when you've got Sakai, for example, playing at left back and over a Mavi and stuff, we've got, you know, we just we just don't seem to be able to 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 create danger down those 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 wide areas as well. And I think you kind of need to have a bit of a balance of both, don't you? Mm. Yeah, well, it was yeah, weird because Sakai was actually playing right back and Sal was on. That's the left. right. Yeah, they switched, didn't they? they? Yeah, you're right. Very so. very early on, they all switched, didn't they? Payet yeah. went on the out on the right as well so yeah I mean, that, that made no sense and even like it, pr- it proved to be nothing as well because like there was nothing productive that came out of that of whatever like f- decision that was for maybe well i think you you and i both said luca i mean if, it, if you know sas crossings bad enough on his on his right foot i mean <laughs> you know imagine on his left foot and he, i don't think he put a single cross in actually in the whole <laughs> game so which is a but relief in a way those strengths and weaknesses <laughs> yeah well and uh, look, he didn't he didn't have that bad of a game, but um, let, let, I think it's important. We, let's set the scene here, and, and you know, first of all, you've got Toulouse who who brought in Comboire a few weeks ago. In his opening press conference, one of his first statements was, "Football is secondary at this football club. Fight is what I want to see." So, you know, you, you know what to expect from him. I think he's he's worse than the Tony Pulis of Liga. He's useless. <laughs> he's, I, I don't know why people keep hiring the guy because he gets teams. Know. He scrapes survival at best, or he gets them. I think last, what was his last club? Um, he was Dijon, wasn't he? Dijon, yeah, Dijon. He, he, you know, they won the, the 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 league, the playoff against Lens, didn't they? They scraped a one 0 win in the return yeah. leg or something after drawing one one mm. at their place. So he, he he tends to be that guy that will scrape you survival only just. And Toulouse over the last se- few seasons, let's face it, have always scraped survival in, in the last few games. Or whether it's now the playoffs, so they're getting closer and closer to getting to going down. Um, so that's that's the first point. The second point is it, it was it felt like a typical home game, not just because of the atmosphere, but just because of the, they they set up to defend as if they were at the velodrome. And, and as usual, we we always struggle to break down teams because we we're very we're very static. We don't we don't seem to be able to find the space between the opposition lines because. And let's face it, I think a lot of that comes down to a few players playing out of position. So Lopez out on the right was he was okay against Lyon because we weren't going forward that much, and, and his his role was mainly to to pack the midfield. But in this game, he you could tell he's he looks completely lost out on the right wing, and, and no way can that continue. And, and that is going to be a problem for us because we've now tried Germain 
Radonic, although he came good last night, but as usual, he only has 20 minute spells. And Lopez out on the right, and even Sarr as, as a right winger, and, and none of them are good enough. It, it, it's just the fact. And the problem is, it's against better teams, it's going to be like playing with 10 men sometimes if we, if we don't get a right winger in. So, as well as getting a left back in and a defensive midfielder, right winger is going to become a problematic position for us if, if we have to wait longer for Tovan to come back. Because yeah. there are rumours that he, his injury, he may have aggravated his injury and he may be out till the end of January, beginning of Feb now. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, I mean, it, it was... Toulouse were ten, were 10 men and, like, obviously, once they got the red card, they were clearly playing, like, with just 10 men behind the ball and were just like, well, let's just get a, a, a draw, which is which is fair enough. For the team that's 19th in a, in a division, you're hosting Marseille, you go 10 men, you basically have no other choice but to just park the bus. But, like you said, the lack of, I don't know, like, I, thought, I, I, I mentioned it, Ben, at the bar, I was like, at one point, I was like, it looks like the players just don't want to be on the pitch, they're just walking, they're not offering any solution, and it looks like when they have the ball, they look like, they, you know, like, it's like you're asking them, like, the world, for them to actually fucking run and, like, do passes, it's, yeah. you're 11 against I think, I think... 10, and literally, you can see to losers defensive formation like a 4-4-1 like and nobody's asked to, to make any movements to try to like overload one side of the pitch to do like in, in, alternating runs and stuff how many times did we see uh, Benedetto like bring come back down the pitch on one of the sides take the ball do a beautiful ball all the way to the other side of the pitch to Lopez and stuff and then the ball just goes straight back to the defender because nobody's can be could be fucked quite clearly to actually do it, yeah, like, to think, actually I make any run. We, we can now see the difference, can't we? And and we, this was already a big problem for us last year, was the, the problem of not only physicality, but pace in the midfield. And Rongier and Benedetto, I think, in the first half, as, as far as I remember, were the only players who, who actually sprinted. I mean, any time Rongier got the ball, he was he you know he was taking little quick touches. He was turning around straight straight away, trying to pass it forward or pass it out wide. Sanson and Streetman were taking way too many touches on the ball. As soon as they saw that the easy pass was off, they just they just go for the, for the next easy pass, which was always passing it back or passing it amongst each other in, in the centre circle. So, yeah, th- there is a lack of pace, which in turn leads to a lack of creativity. And uh, yeah, we we are not creating enough chances, and that has been the problem since last season. Even when we had Thomas, who was fit, th- there just seems to be something missing in that midfield that, that means we have a solid base from which we can actually build and combine in, with the front three. And there, there always seems to be a gap between the midfield and the centre-forward. And Benedetto is very isolated. Yeah, I don't know if I think the the midfield this year is the problem. No, I feel like the, the midfield moves the ball around a lot better than it did the previous year. I feel like the issue is more with you know the attacking that's, midfielders, the wingers, you know, themselves. Yeah, that, that sounds and, that's not to Rongier, but yeah, you're right. The wingers are the problem. Yeah, but I mean, last year, I would have said that you know I'd have said that the midfielders aren't moving the ball to attack well, but I think Rongier has made a big difference in that respect personally. But yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's day and night. Really, Rongier has really like 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 revived the the Marseille midfield plays, but. Even with him, like the the whole midfield, I felt like we're gonna move on to the players in just a second. But just finishing point, it's just like I felt like every time we had a counter attack because Toulouse gave us so many chances to counter because they were so poor technically. 
but we would just like get the ball like make three big touches forward and then literally just like take a touch and pass it back and it's just like it looks like we're not even able like we don't have the players to run like 10 yards to actually like make a run within the spaces it's you say we don't we don't have wingers and the wingers that are playing on the wings so Payet and Lopez they're not really wingers they don't have the pace they, they they're more like ball to the feet kind of players but they want to be playmakers and they want to pick out the pass and I mean it's it's not translating into anything fluid on the pitch but anyway we'll we'll, we'll get back to them um let's go back line by line so first of all we've got Mandanda who hasn't had much to do that game. Um, most of the, obviously because Toulouse was so so poor most of the balls that they had actually never actually made it to, to Mandanda but one notable event is that one of those games when there's so many so few chances the, the team that scores first you basically know they're going to win and fortunately for us that was that was us but 60th minute even though Toulouse were 10 men with one man down Toulouse had one golden opportunity to score and Mandanda actually just, just made a quite quite like not a worldie of a save, but a very a quite difficult save that like header from Sangare point blank straight straight on the side of Mandano who managed to put out the save. What did you guys think of that? Did you think you can ball down the game just to that event, or, or did you have, have you got anything else to to note about him? I think he kind of saved it all. Really, yeah. I mean, he didn't have a lot to do, but he made a really one really really good save. Um, I mean, if he hadn't saved it though, I'd probably have been disappointed I would have felt that he should have saved it but nonetheless it's a good save with his feet yeah, as I well I think um, I think he's um, uh, the, the, the two only other things you can pick on and pick up on are his passing out from the back has improved massively um, I've, I've, he did when he got the ball he did always try and, and put it out wide quickly he, he wasn't sort of wasting time trying to trying to keep take too many touches etc so that's improved um, and then I've, I've you know, for saying we had two under twenties in in defence, in central defence, Piran and Kamara, which we'll talk about in a minute. I, I think that from from what I could can remember, having rewatched the game, he he was pretty much communicating with Piran a lot. Mm. He he was really shouting a lot to him, like guiding him and trying to trying to help him position himself. So he's he's fulfilling his role. He's he's been one of our top performers this season, and and we're we're happy to see him back at this level. Yeah, we should honestly start like counting how many how many points Mandanda's like gained us this game because I truly believe if they score here, game's done, dusted. They just park the bus even more and they're not gonna give up like they did on the first goal and that's three points for Toulouse and zero for us. But instead, we actually managed to basically gain that momentum and get three points. And since the beginning of the season, I mean, he's just he he's one of the men men of the season, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, oh, he's outstanding, outstanding. Yeah. Sunday, day and night, clearly. Yeah, probably, isn't he? Yeah, honestly. Um, right, so let's move on to the, to the back four. Um, for those watching on YouTube, um, the back four's obviously put Sakai uh, on the left side and Saar on the right. But for most of the first half, Saar was actually on the left and Sakai on the right. Honestly, don't ask me why. <laughs> I have no idea why. And then they just end up reverting back towards the end of the game. Um, I mean, whether or not that was the key to the game, to our victory, I, I personally don't think so, but... I didn't really see a difference. I thought both of them had quite a poor game. Um, what did you think about it, Ben? Uh, well, yeah, they, they did. Well, in a game where our wingers were weak, you, you would think that 
and to be fair, we, we saw this with Gasser. It seemed to be the main tactic with Gasser was get it out to the, the full-backs and, and try and create the you know, the, the, the excess number on, on one of the wings and cross it in and hope for the best. And they just weren't getting forwards in the first half. Neither of them were getting forwards, um, which, which in turn forced Payet and Lopez to come back. Well, Lopez more down to the, the fact it's not his natural position, but to come back deeper to get the ball and even Benedetto... And and that's the problem is they I don't know if if they were short of fitness which is weird for saying it's after an international break and I think AVB to be fair did complain that Sakai got got back a bit late from international travel so I was quite surprised to see him start but you know we know that Amavi was suspended so I, I do honestly think that if Amavi hadn't been suspended Sat would have started on the right and Amavi on the left so. I'll give Sakai a bit of a pass, even though he has been fairly average in the last few weeks. But he, if he, at least he tries and put in the shift. And Sarri is just Sarri. He's just you know we, we know his limits. He's doing he's doing what he can. Is he good enough for for, for for next year if we do somehow get European football? Definitely not. Yeah, I mean, it's, we we obviously quite famously <laughs> for for quite some years now we've had a problem with the left back position. I honestly feel like neither Sakai or Sa are good enough to play in a squad anymore, regardless of the fact. I agree. I mean, at this point, they're, they're, they're the weakest link of the team, you know, in a, in a squad that's already very, very short and where you need, like, you don't have a lot of options. They're still, they're still, like, like sticking out like sore thumbs. They're, they bring out nothing offensively and... And where Sakai used to be very solid defensively, he seems to just be absent in most of the key moments. Mm. Well, maybe he's at his peak, you know. He's he's in his late twenties now, isn't it? Maybe we've already seen the best of him. I mean, you think so? I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe. But I think next season, now, in addition to the left back problem, I think we're gonna start to have like a right back problem as well. Um, but Stefan, I definitely. I, I... Sorry. Yeah, Griffith. Now I was just going to segue to you. Actually, what, what, you can actually talk about Sakai and Sar as well. But then, like, well, yeah, I'm not going to go on about Benasar because I complain about him every time <laughs> in the podcast. So you, you know my thoughts. <laughs> on him. I just don't think he's good enough. Um, I mean, neither of them were particularly terrible or anything yesterday. I didn't feel, but they just well, they're not. You know, they they don't really raise us any level at all, do they? They don't. They, they, you, you don't really feel like. Bunasar or Sakai, even as much as I like Sakai, you don't really feel that they're going to produce the goods, do you? Going, particularly going forward, there's just not really a lot of end product, mm. um, and we've got a ten, both got a tendency to get caught out. Although I think Sakai is better, much better defensively, and in, in in at least his intent, his um, attitude is really, really good. Um, actually, in that game though, with the defence, I a bit more concerned about the central defensive partnership although they I mean I don't think they were terrible either but getting caught out regularly um like on the counter attack for example getting caught out um you've seen like things like Kamara you know bringing down a player um mm. when Toulouse are on the break I think it was at Sanogo or something just really poor decision making you know not fit, you know there's a time to fill someone and, it, and, and that was not the occasion to do it. There was no need to. There was other Marseille defenders, you know, covering. He wasn't the last man. I mean, if he was the last man, he'd have got sent off. But um, just think things like that. Um, those, I mean, they're young. 
they're still learning and stuff, but I think that um, you could, there's definitely a element of naivety with the the back, the you know the the back two, the central defensive partnership, whether it's with Kamara and Peran or when Chaita starts playing as well. We see it um, just often making poor choices, often getting caught out of position. Um, they're just they're still learning the trade, but you know, Marseille, do we? Is that do we have the patience for that? You know, because we can, we will get caught out in games that will cost us points, that will cost us positions in the league in the future. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it looks like we're going to be fighting once again for the Champions League spots, and I mean, more than ever, we seem to be on track to actually get there. And next oh, don't year, ne- next year, it's I mean, you're just going to get crucified. Not even by the by the by the first seed in your group stage, but by like, like we're probably going to be in the third pot if if we get to Champions League, we would be in a third pot. And even the the, the bottom team in that group stage will just crucify Kramara and Perron. Like the weaknesses in centre back are just glaring, you know. Um, yeah, but let, let's face it, that, that Perron is not going to be. I, I fully expect us to bring another centre back in if we get Champions League and Perron yeah. to go out, go out on loan. Whether it's in Liga or League Two, he needs to cut his teeth. He's a good kid. He puts in a shift. He almost scored again in the, in the opening minutes. That's worth worth mentioning. But yeah, that's true. I think they'll probably, there. I think they'll probably sell him to somewhere like Dijon or you know, kind of, or one of the um, promoted clubs or something like that. I don't. I mean, I think he's a decent player, but I don't think he's got a long term future at Marseille. If mm. Marseille are going to get to the level, oh. Uh-oh. Oh, we lost Stefan. <laughs> In a level, you need central. You lost me. Yeah, we lost you, mate. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Better, yeah. Sorry, um, I was just saying at that kind of level, you need central defenders that are really comfortable in the ball that can play football as well, and I, I just don't see it. Um, no, yeah, I agree. especially in in, in league but it's a physical league. He he just, I think he he's got potential. Will he will he ever be? A regular starter for Marseille, I have my doubts, but I think that if he goes out on loan, you never know. If he goes out on loan and has a couple of good seasons, he could be a decent squad player for us. But yeah, I mean, how many of those players ever come back though? I mean, well, there's been so be many names over the years. Remember Stefan Sparagna? Was that his name? Sparagna? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was captain, was he not? I like the the Tournoi de Toulon or something, or one yeah. of the youth levels under 20s. Where's he now? He plays back yeah exactly so we've had so many guys over the years Alloway and so on they um, they have some promise we send them out alone and we never see them again yeah but for saying I mean look Perrin is, is, is look, he's been thrown at the deep end and he's, he's there because there's no one else and that's that's a fact and who knows you know for in, in those years we were lucky enough to have pretty solid solid central defenders and regular starters and experienced players and we're making, well, we're making, and AVB is making, is making buy with what he's got. So I'll never bash him. I, I honestly expected it to be a lot worse, and and I think, I, I think the times that they were they were struggling in the first half on a few counter attacks, which I think we struggled a lot more in the first half defensively than in the second half. Um, I'm I'm going to blame Kevin Strootman, so yeah. maybe yeah. we should move well, on to him because yeah, let, let's let's move on straight to him. What what, what are your main concerns? I think we'll probably. Have a lot to say about him. So why don't we move on straight to him? Ben, what 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 were you going to say about well, him? Look, I, I like his fight, and I like the fact that for, for those of us that, that watch the, the the YouTube recaps 
um, every few weeks about you know how it's going in training and all that stuff that lasts about 20 minutes. Yeah, it's it's great to see because he's you know he's been doing a lot of work with MV in training and encouraging him and, and uh, advising him and stuff. So it's it's good to have in the squad. Cool. What's he doing on the pitch? Absolutely fuck all. Recently, I mean, we missed him against Amiens because let's face it, I don't know why we didn't play Kamara in midfield in that game, but quite clearly Kamara has to has to play midfield. We discussed this last week already. Strootman has neither the pace, and last night he actually showed pretty worrying technical limits mm. that, that quite frankly were very concerning for someone of that experience and someone who's a, a Dutch international for fact's sake I mean he, he in the first half he looked lost he was playing so deep he was almost playing alongside Perrin and a few times they actually got in each other's way yeah, and, yeah. And, and a few times as well I think he was he was notably comfortable of getting the ball back in a decent position a couple of times and then giving it straight back to Toulouse with a poor pass or with, by holding on to it too long, you're getting caught in possession. So uh, we, we know he's limited, but and, and we know that you know the intention of the club is obviously to try and offload him somehow. And, and it's quite clear that no one's going to fucking buy him because he's shit. He's lost. He's lost his legs. He's never going he's, to leave. Yeah, but he, well, he, the only way he's going to leave is, is as a journeyman on loan. And that's no, but the only even way then, it's happen. even then, like you, you've mentioned him yourself. You mentioned it yourself. He's in. He's literally being put in a squad for Netherlands every year, and they've got quite a good chance of of, of making a good run in the Euros, which is coming up this season. He's not going to jeopardize that to go to Everton online. No, no, I don't think he'll leave this winter. And quite frankly, I don't. I don't think we'll be able to replace him if he goes anyway. So I'd, I'd rather no. keep him because you never know. He might have a burst where he does put in a couple of good games for us, but. Quite frankly, next season we can't continue with, with without a proper physical defensive midfielder. Whether that's Camara and he accepts he's going to play there and he, and he starts really practicing and training in that position, and we, and we go with him and we bring someone else in. Streetman, we can't continue next year if we have any sort of aspiration of cementing our status in the top three of the league. It's, it's just not possible, and he's only going to get worse physically. So, yeah, he, he looks out of sorts. It was just, it was, it was embarrassing. Is the word I'm going to use? Quite frankly, mm. made a really stupid foul as well at one point. I think really cut the player, the notorious player. Um, I don't know if you remember. Um, you got, I think he got a yellow card. Did he not? Yeah. Um, and I think, it was, yeah, he did. Um, I don't, I don't know if he got a yellow. Card. I think he got a yellow card. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he cut the. I can't remember who it was, but he was caught again. It was just, it was one of these fouls where. He didn't actually have to make the foul, and he should know better. Similar to the Camara one, um, he was caught out with some one's pace, and um, he, uh, you know, a player of his experience should know when you make a professional foul or not. And I just felt like it was totally unnecessary. I th- actually, it wasn't actually that bad of a foul, but it was the kind of one that, you know, if if he'd been the last man, he would have he would have got sent off, you know. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, it, it honestly, for me, it was just sad to watch. He, this man hasn't even hit his 30s yet, and he's done. He's finished with football. He's he's slow. He's, his head seems, his instincts are gone. Like, it seems like he's regressed, like, massively since, since he's joined us. And there's literally, even when he makes the mistakes of positioning and stuff, and he realises he can't even catch Yaya Sonogo. Honestly. Like the, he's, he's just a big pair of legs. Honestly, he's he's useless. There's 
like honestly this this might go, this might well go down as like the worst Marseille transfer in our club history. Thirty no. million, yeah, five hundred thousand. Yeah, he's done nothing for the club, and he's been some fate. Yeah. I think Le, Le Fossé, I was reading about him the other day. I think yesterday they put an article out, and, and fair, look, fair, maybe we discuss this on another pod. But they they've become a lot more vocal, and, and they seem to voice their opinion a lot more. But anyway, that's a, a topic for another day. But they obviously slated them exactly the same as we did. But they um they made the comparison that I actually made after the game, chatting with a few of the guys that sticks around and. Remember Lucho Gonzalez in his last season? He looked the same. He looked like his his head was gone, but he still had he he just had that quality. Yeah, but he just had that quality that even when he did get the ball, he'd be able to pick a pass or he'd be able to, to you know, to take just a little nifty touch and play it straight back to someone and set something up for someone else. And he was a lot better, and he was a bit older as well. I think he was thirty-two, thirty-one, or thirty-two by that stage. Lucho Gonzalez just had, he had class and he had that quality and I think he was lucky as well. He never had a very bad injury in his career. But Streetman is, is when you compare like for like in terms of the price tag, it's complete opposite. It, it, there is just nothing that you can you can pick out that is that is redeeming. The, the only reason, I think we do find points as well and before we move on to probably the best, the best play of, 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 yes, of, sorry, not yesterday, of Sunday's game. But it's there's yeah you said it's, it's, it, the only reason why he's on the pitch is one because we have no midfielders as number six, to which I would solve that by putting Kamara in the midfield, and just because he cost us so much, like honestly he wouldn't I don't think he, he should even break the, the like the top eighteen players he's absolutely shocking honestly he's might be worse than Sertic and I'm not even fucking kidding at this point. And no way, I don't think he's mate. Just no, bad no, you guys no, Jesus Christ he's, he's not. Tell, tell me that, one that. thing. Tell me one thing that he's done well. He's just a water carrier. I mean, we talked about this in previous episodes. Like, <laughs> he's supposed he to be the best player on our team. You can't compare Sometimes he's dull, man. It's fuck right. But he's sometimes it's you know it's the the little things that are actually effective. You know, just being in the space stops. You know, um, the opposing players from attacking in that space. He's not. Uh, in that space. There's things that are maybe understated. I'm not like I don't want to praise him because I'm I'm with you in that. I feel like he's been a bit of a disappointment. But I think there's a lot of the work that he does, movement and just sort of organising and things and picking up loose balls that are I guess goes unnoticed and often it goes unnoticed you, you, because he doesn't do it. I actually. Sticking to yeah. a position is important, you know. So you don't. It's not just about making tackles and interceptions, but it's about covering space as well. So I think that he does do a lot of that, and I, I think that you, you, we don't give him the praise for that. And if he's not there, you know, you might find see if you stuck someone like Sanson in that position, he'd be on the other end of the pitch half the time, you know, running around like a blue ass fly, like totally <laughs> lose his position. It's not. So I think Strutman's got discipline. To, to know what areas to cover and stuff, but he's physically he's not the same player and his confidence is, is gone as well. That's what I feel so, about him. Yeah, for me, the, his last chance and the last chance I would give him is in, in in a game like yesterday when imagine everybody's fit and everybody's not suspended and and you would I would have put Camara there and I would have played Streetman instead of Sanson next to Rongier and, and see what he brings in his actual natural position, which is a number eight. That's where he played for Roma. But who would you have played at the back? 
No, but that's what I'm saying. If everybody was fit, you'd have Gonzalez and Coletta Carr behind Kamara, wouldn't you? But he's just a victim of the fact that our squad's so limited, but he's also off form. So it's, you put those two things together and you get performances like yesterday. So I, I will give him one last chance in his in his proper position for a run of games. And if he doesn't come good, then 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 we, we're vindicated in what we're saying. Yeah, let's let's move on to um, to just like the rest of the team. Um, so we had we can talk them but talk about them together, even though they've had very very contrasting performances yet um, on Sunday. Sanson and Rangier, um, very two ends of the spectrum. I thought I thought Rangier was top class. I thought just like the rest of the team, he did lack the vision to actually make the cutting counter attacks, especially in the first half. But the rest of the game, he was he was completely flawless. He was he was basically the light of the midfield. And then Sanson, who I thought struggled a lot that game, um, he did a couple of, of good touches and a good controls. But back from that, it was very poor. A lot of his passes, a lot of his balls went straight into touch. He was running like a headless chicken, like he's he, he's famously uh, known for. Uh, Stefan, what, what what did you think about these two guys? Um, I, not a massive amount to say because I don't think either of them. Well, Roger, yeah, Roger played some nice football, and I think Sanson started off well. Actually, I thought Sanson was good, was lively, and um, potentially looking like he could be dangerous at the start of the game. But yeah, as the game went on, he kind of drifted out of the match, and he was quite ineffective. Ineffective, um, but I think um, to be honest. The midfield was disappointing for large chunks of the game in that they weren't controlling the match um, as well as they could be. They weren't. They were allowing to lose to have too much of the ball for periods. I felt, um, but still, like we still see some nice passing, some nice move, you know, movement, and some of the football, as I've said before, is much better and more, more positive than what we had last season, and that is. As we said, maybe the effect of Rangier, but we are moving the ball about at times. It's just, you know, in some nice one 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 touch passing in triangles and things like that that we've seen even in yesterday. Um, sorry, Sunday night's game as we've seen previous matches and stuff. So there's there's little signs at the midfield there is some potential, and I do think that Rangier Sanson in front of a proper defensive midfielder is the midfield that we probably should have personally. Okay. I think that their styles kind of can complement each other quite well. Like yeah. Sanson's running and stuff, and Rangier's ability to orchestrate the play. Fair enough, fair enough. Ben, what, what did you think about these two guys' performances on on Sunday? Well, it's exactly the same. I agree, except I, I will I will give a special mention to to Rangier. And I I will admit being very impressed with what I've seen from him in the last few games, certainly uh, against Lille, against Lyon, and, and yes, and Sunday. He, I, I, I watched him at Nantes, and in Nantes, I, think, I feel he played a bit deeper, um, and I think he was like a deep-playing midfielder. Where yes, he got himself around, but he was relied upon to to pass it and stick to his position. Um, he can't finish his dinner though. His finishing yeah, yeah, is that's awful. The, uh, yeah, and, and Sanson's the same, which is a problem. We don't have goal-scoring midfielders, which is which is another big problem. But he, he, his, his dynamism and the way he gets himself about the pitch and the way he he can he can actually. He does have a decent burst of pace on him. So when he does pick up the ball a few times, I felt he, he sort of ran into space and was able to, to, to sort of set up attacks on, on either side. So, he, yeah, I think he, he needs to continue improving and, and continue, you know, I think he's the shining light in our midfield right now. But 
Sanson again, it's, yeah, I think we, we all praised him at some point at the bar because he, he, he chased down the ball and he put a tackle in and set up a, set up a chance where... I think it was early in the game where Benedetto ran past him to try and make space for him. And then actually when he looked up to cut it back to the middle, there's obviously no one there. So he did all right in the in the beginning of the game. And then as usual, he fades and he, he was just, he was anonymous. I mean, I wouldn't say he was bad, but I he was definitely not good. He was, he was just below average, mm. which has been a problem, which is because it's, that's been his level for the last few weeks, unfortunately. So... Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really struggling with Sanson. Um, you you'd think on paper, I mean, it's, it's the same old song that we're singing about Sanson and Lopez for the last nearly year now. It's you on paper, you'd think like it's a game for him. There'd be a lot of spaces, and with, with his ability to actually like make the you know his oriented passes, oriented touches, one touch football, that he'd be effective. But he seems to just his his football IQ seems to just not improve as he's getting older and i know he's still not like midfielders don't reach their primes until their late 20s so he's still not there yet but he doesn't seem like he's improved like maybe even regress in terms of his vision and his like football iq since he's joined marseille i think that's it's just strange, what marseille yeah, no. does to players unfortunately uh, is that the garcia, I think that's what garcia does <laughs> yeah i think garcia is to blame guys when we signed him remember i, I was a bit excited the same as Rangier because he was top passer. He was consistently in the top two or two or three assist people in the league for two years in a row. He was the and one player from the new ownership yeah. saying that, that I was actually really pleased with that signing, thinking that's the kind of players that we should be signing, not yeah. um, all the other shite old fat old farts that we thought we signed over the years. He was the one that I was most positive about. And then and then after Zombo left. It seems like Garcia reverted to combat mode for all the midfielders, and, and you know, yes, Sanson has probably got his own faults because he's—I you know, don't know how hard he's working, or I don't know if he just doesn't give a fuck and maybe regrets not being sold at some point. But yeah, he—he—he he, he seems to have had the football coached coached out of him, and he just seems to be a really average midfielder that, that does his job but doesn't do more or doesn't do less, and he's lost the goals from his game and he's lost the assists. It's all gone. Mm, yeah. Yeah, well, well, we'll we'll see what happens with with that in the field. We'll move on to the the top three uh, from Sunday. We had Lopez on the right wing, so as a continuation from the Leon game, um, we had Payet on the left wing. Even though they they these two like swapped position a lot during that game, and Benedetto up front, who who managed to finally end end his goal drought of eight games, and um, to score the essentially the winning goal for Marseille, uh, and then Radonich who came on uh, about the 70th minute, and then Mali Ake to cap off the game. Germain as well. Germain came on, didn't he? Yeah, Germain came on actually just before the first goal, which is something we can talk about in terms of attacking um, attacking a movement forward. What did you guys make of, I guess, all of these six players? Um, I know that Lopez was something that I personally felt like we shouldn't just put in the right wing again. I thought like, the way he played against Leon and the tactic we used uh, is very like unique to the matchup, which means that it's not necessarily going to translate to other League One games. And honestly, I felt like you could feel it um, against Toulouse. He wasn't effective. You couldn't find he was a lot less comfortable than against Leon. What did you guys make make of your of these players? Well, Lopez was forgettable. Um, as you said, ineffective. He's not a winger. Um, 
I don't. I think they would, we might get away with some games playing with guys like Lopez or even German in the right wing, but it's not a long-term solution. Um, I think I thought the front, the front three was generally quite poor, and, and we weren't actually creating lots of chances as we should have done. I think Rodonic though scored a really good goal. Although I think that's partly because the keeper made a, a hash of it when he came out and Ronji was made so able to get past him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the, the so it was a good goal, but I think it's, yeah, the Toulouse players were partly, um, you know, to probably him or, um, or to thank for that goal. Um, he should have scored before that, actually, potentially from, you know, the header, Benedetto. He, yeah. he leaps really well. He's got a clear header. And he just sort of heads it down towards the goalkeeper. Um, so he doesn't really quite connect with it or place it as well as he should do. I feel that maybe he's lacking a bit of confidence, though. He hadn't scored a goal, I think, since, like, what, early October or something. Um, so maybe now that he's got a goal, we might see another wind of form with him. I do really like him, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, but I don't think he was great. And um, I think Pyatt as well, like... <sighs> It's like little bits in it in games where he does something really slick and then he, other times he's just completely useless, you know. So you see, like, even with his pass with a goal, it's fantastic, you know. And I think some with a player like that, you've just got to sometimes accept the shite if you can get those little <laughs> moments where he can produce a bit of magic, you know. Yeah, it's turning into the uh, to the Mesut Ozil of of, of Marseille, <laughs> yeah. you know, where, where he's capable of being absolutely dreadful and and cutting a very frustrated figure for for not for eighty five minutes, and then he'll produce an assist. And and that was that was. This is all very well if you're winning, isn't it? Yeah, and that's can, yeah, that's fine. If 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 you've got Tavares who's banged in a couple of goals before that, then you're like, oh, you know, Pius had an off day, and let's face it, left winger's never been his position anyway. But we have no one else to put there, so. Again, he's a victim of, of the, the shortness and, and size of our squad, and the fact that yeah. from a system from a system point of view, quite clearly, AVB, although he does seem to revert to it at times to a four-four-two, and Payet goes down the middle, <clears throat> it's clearly not his preference. So he is going to be exiled on the left wing, and he was he was he was poor in the first half. I was I was very frustrated with him because he was just. Again, he was doing what he what he does sometimes, where he takes a few touches and then he tries to to cut it cut it out wide with the outside of the boot, and he try he goes for the glamour pass, and yeah, it came off two weeks ago. It was fantastic against Lyon, but he was just he was anonymous for for large parts of the game, and then he, he sparks into life when suddenly, and and I, I will credit Germain for this because I think Germain came on and, and took a lot of um you know took a lot of sort of pressure and, and gave created a lot of space for Payet. So he's fortunate yeah. that. Germain came on. I, I wasn't quite sure what his position and he was blocked. when he came on. Yeah, and he blocked the the, the clearance. Didn't he? It led to the second goal. Yeah. Um, I do think that, um, the, you know, as I said earlier on in the podcast, there is clearly an issue with width. We, we just lack pacey wingers that are actually creative and good. And So I'm not including um, Rado Nietzsche in that because he's shite. Um, <laughs> so I think I think that's an area of priority for recruitment. I don't know if whether the young guys, the Haji or Aki, can prove to be good enough to fill those gaps. I'm not sure yet. It's too early to tell. But we I think Aki, Aki plays in the middle. In these areas. Aki is a central striker for, I, for the reserves, I think. Really, I've, I always thought he was kind of 
sort of wing forward. No, no? I, think, I think Liadji's the, probably the only sort of natural winger out of those, those out of the youngsters that we have actually, which is it's worrying. And, and the more we discuss these these limits and these lacks of depth, but also of, of actually decent first team players, the more you know we, we you've got to pray we get Champions League football because then if we don't, there's no way we're going to be able to improve this squad, and we're going to be stuck with these players for another year. Yeah, and we got um. For obviously Are you sure like he's not a left winger? No, he's a he's a striker. He's a he's a centre forward. Um, I mean the it was also shown, you know, the in in other podcasts in France. Those who who obviously don't have access to French podcasts about Marseille, that Marseille are still in a, in a financial deficit and they need to to sell off for at least thirty million in the transfer window. And seeing how short our squad is. And like our only bankable, real bankable player is Tova, who's injured. So you don't know really who's going to be able to, 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 to fork out for an injured well, player. Camara. Camara is, yeah, is probably I mean, going to be the one sacrificed, unfortunately. Or, or Lopez, because he's not signed a new deal. Or, and, and even for Lopez, you could probably get 12 to 15 million. That's half of it. But again, you know, we, the ambitions of Hérault that was like, oh, Sanson is worth 50 and all of that. He's worth barely 20, mate. He's not even worth 15. So... That is the big problem: is that some of these players that maybe we should have we should have cashed in on, and Tova included. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again. I said it in the summer, but these players that we should have cashed in on when we had the chance for, for well, for like quite frankly, stupid money as far as we're concerned. When it's forty or fifty million, mm. I think we've missed the best now, and and the, you know we, it's going to take time for us to redevelop that. And maybe Liagi could be that player in the next two years, but if if he doesn't sign a deal, I was going to say he it, might never even sign. Exactly. He, he's one of those that typically will probably join <laughs> a Sevilla for free and he'll, he'll smash it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, I think that's probably it for the, for the, for the strike force. If, if you just want my opinion, I've already gave my opinion on, on Lopez. I think very short summaries of how I felt. I think I'm, I'm very, very relieved about Benedetto. I personally thought that even though he's very useful in the, in the build up, so he doesn't necessarily need to be scoring that many goals. I felt like you could start feeling it on his um, when he was in front of goal. You know, he he was having the the bad luck of strikers who 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 don't seem to be able to, to snap out of their bad form. You know, like even when do good make good attempts on goal, the keeper seems to make wonderful saves and stuff. And like you said, Stefan, that Benedetto's header, he had a free shot a goal, and he seemed to just like give this half-assed header that just passes it to the keeper. And I hope that that goal yesterday, or not, I keep saying yesterday, on Sunday, liberates him in a way. Because uh, he was great mm. when he first came, and you could see the low. And uh, strikers work, uh, are very like emotional players, and I hope like for him, just like for Radonic, I, ho- I hope the momentum and that game, even though these goals were, were not very difficult to score just liberates them in a way and kind of puts the pressure off like when am I going to score when am I going to score when am I going to score so I, on that side I'm quite, I'm quite relieved for them two guys um, Payet again it, it, it's, he's, he's do you think Radonic yeah do you think Radonic is really capable of building on that goal though I know he was involved in the first goal as well um, which also helps you know yeah but, it's, it's more yeah. wishful thinking at this point to be honest from about Radonic because it's he, he seemed I don't know I don't know what to think about Radonic anymore I've, I've mostly given up on him uh, this is like my last hope that him finally scoring kind of like puts the pressure off him because he always seems so stressed out when he plays football so maybe that's a weight lifted off at least one of them mm. 
Um, and if you I saw it, like, like a YouTube video or something, you know, clips and they showed you like that goal, for example, yeah. in, in those kind of moments, you'd think, oh, this guy looks really fucking good, doesn't he? But you <laughs> actually watch him in he's the game. He's got pace. Yeah, he's got yeah, pace. And I think one of his, that's one probably was it one of his ex-scouts or one of his ex-coaches said um, that in, in Serbia, he was the fastest player in the league. So he just had, he had that, you know, I think that was a given and that probably boosted his confidence knowing that he could just knock the ball past someone, run onto it and then create or something or get a goal. And, and in Liga or in any other league, which is a top European league or, or almost top, as Luca always likes to slate the League of Talents. We're, we're um, not a top league. No, but <laughs> let, he's, league, he's, let Sunday's he's game be witness. Player. His pace is, is, you know, it's it's it's, okay, it's good, but it's there are there will be faster players than him on the opposition team, so he can't rely on that. And I, my prediction, and it's it, it's typical of Marseille and typical of Radonjic, I think he's going to play well up until Christmas, and we're all going to be like on the hype train, or to an extent on the hype train, like oh yeah, he could actually contribute in the second half of the season. Then he's just going to revert to type and be shit again for six months. Then let's sell him. Unfortunately, let's sell him on, on the winter. <laughs> I don't even think he's going to be good at <laughs> No, I don't think so either. I don't know. I don't see it. <laughs> right. Um, good goal, uh, though. Let's appreciate it. It was a nicely taken goal, wasn't it? Nice bit of skill. Yeah, He not? made the right choice and where yeah, he plays the finish. Ben, ben as well. He's so yeah, stupid, though. I mean, there's... Did you see, though? Five minutes it? later, he tried the exact same <laughs> skill. <laughs> Can we talk oh, yeah. about his celebration, though? Like, right on his celebration. I just think like, a lot of people are talking about that on... on... Um, online and stuff just yeah, about three different celebrations. Celebration. Fucking, <laughs> fucking hell. Well, he didn't know, but guys, I mean, did you? I mean, I, I thought the same, and I was like, yeah, well, fair play on him, the frustration and shit. And but he, that's his celebration. I mean, we're just not used to it. He Which did one? This, he Which used... one? He did like three. No, he does that all the time. <laughs> he, cu- he cups his ears and then he does the salt thingy. And he, he, well, that, I mean, that, that is two different celebrations, yeah, but isn't that, it? That's, that's his, that's his mug, man. Like, look, the guy doesn't score often, so of course he's going to milk it. <laughs> yeah, they know, you know, yeah, they he's know getting he it all out of his system, isn't he? But that, that was yeah, his celebration. When he scores for Serbia, when he used to score for, um, for, for, um, I can't remember where we signed him from. Um, <laughs> that was his, yeah, that was that was his celebration. So the fact is, it's, it all comes across to us like a bit excessive because we've not seen it. And I don't blame him. I do the same. You know, you get you get the piss taken out of you for ages. You've been shit, and then you you can somehow pull off a miracle goal. It was a good goal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> of course, yeah, a miracle goal. goal against ten men where the ball rebounded. It's not even a winning player. goal. Who's it given up I, at that I, point? I, when I played football, I was a, I was a defender. When I got a goal, I'd do the Peter Crouch robot celebration. Oh, like, you know, you just you'd, you'd go all out. You'd be like, "Fuck yes!" Jesus. You let it out of your system, don't you? But right. it's like, uh let, 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 let's cut it off here because this this thing turned to the worst. <laughs> Um, so this is this is it for, for the line by line. We, we won't linger too much. We've spent a lot of time on this podcast already. I'll probably just get your guys's um, takeaways. We didn't do it um, for the Leon game, but I'll probably get you guys takeaway. What very very quickly, like the usual, the traditional takeaways that we usually do. What what, what do you guys take from this game and going forward uh, until the the winter break? I'll start with Stefan probably. Oh, that's hard. Um, I hadn't really given this much thought. I guess one takeaway would be, it's not new for me though, but I think that at wide areas we have to strengthen and that's including both in attack and defence. We need, we need long term, we need to think, think about backs and new wingers. 
Yeah. yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, ben, what, what did you take away from this game? Well, the, the Benedetto scoring and, and breaking his deck, the results, um, not a lot from the performance, albeit probably Rongier is, is, is on, the, is on um, a consistent level, which is good. Um, yeah, I think, look, look if, you've, if you guys have seen our running games up until Christmas, it's on paper, it's, it's winnable. I mean, we could, we could actually do something here between now and Christmas that could give us a little cushion if, especially if Lille, Lyon, and Saint-Étienne keep struggling, and yeah, let, let's wait and see. I mean, um, I think the table's too tight, isn't it? There's yeah, not but you never know what could happen. Could you? Any of us? You never know what could happen because no, let's let's face it. Bordeaux are on the run. Angers are on the run. They're going to collapse at some point. We know it. No, I think if if we can win at least two of our games between now and Christmas, and and well, not lose too many, and our rivals continue slipping up. This could actually be a very decisive point in the season for us because then there's the the, the, the winter break, and if we're somehow still six seven points clear of Lyon and Lille by then, it, it it does it does make you think right. There's potential here. We can build on this, and and we can we can try and widen that gap in the new year. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, um, I just I think one positive um, sort of final point to make actually might be a good one to end the podcast on is we now have a goal difference of plus one is it uh, I mean fine, yeah, finally hey! positive it's fucking depressing man I, mean, <laughs> I keep complaining about <laughs> this I, I can't take it mate I'm at my wit's end with this league man. <laughs> was that um, when was the, when was, have we was that the first time this season we've won by more than one goal no, it was a second. We we beat. I can't remember who we beat. We beat someone two 0 Strasbourg, uh, Strasbourg. At home, Strasbourg at home. Yeah. I can't yeah, remember. Well, at least hell. at least we're beating the minnows, and we're you know we're we're, we're cushioning our goal difference. Yeah. I've been beating the big teams as well. Beat Lyon, beat Lille, beat Monaco. Yeah, Mate. but don't, 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 it makes us sound like we're great. Yeah, don't don't force Lucas to have to give AVB seven pros. Don't force no, him to. Yeah. Like, it's, it's been a long podcast. It's Trust fun. me, mate. Come on, don't you? You cannot come to me after Toulouse, OM, and the shit show that was the the quality on the pitch, and whatever the fuck his decisions were about playing Sar on the left, about playing Lopez, <laughs> and then come up to me and, and like chirps about Evias Boas, man. Like, and not, I think you, and not the you did make game. you did make a very good point, which was he this season and him as the coach is, is quite reminiscent of Eli Bupp when we scraped second place that year where we were absolutely dire as well but Valbuena scored a few important goals mm. and we'd win 1-0 and um, yeah it does seem to be that AVB's got a bit of the Eli Bupp look and, and flair about his substitutions that have paid off so far but yes yeah, overall it was it was very poor on Sunday yeah right okay um, thank you very much for uh, everyone here for listening and for sticking with us through through Ben's uh, anecdotes of his professional football days. <laughs> they weren't professional, Ben. <laughs> I, I'm still imagining you doing the Peter Crouch dance. I'll tell you what, I um, would give uh, Gregory Sertich a run for his money, though. I'd be, I'd be, um, yeah, I'd fancy myself against him. Maybe not Sertich, but probably Strootman. Um, <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening uh, thank you guys for, for coming on the podcast we'll see you probably next weekend because we have OM Brest on Friday so we might do a podcast on Saturday or Sunday depending on availabilities um, and apart from that uh, we'll probably leave it here so thank you very much and see you on next weekend thank you yeah. cheers, cheers everyone